our way, they say. Do you want to build a snowman? No, I don't. No, no, I don't. So um, every, every night before I ask you to share uh, some blessings in your life, miracles that you've seen, ways that you've seen God move in your life, uh, people that he's put in your path in just the right moment. Before I do that, I like to warm the crowd up. So uh, this is, when I pass away, this will be my most famous bit. You ready? Do you know the story of Jonah? Jonah and the elephant? And, oh, it's whale. That's right. So uh, this is the story of Jonah and the whale to the tune of the Beverly Hillbillies. <clears throat> Let me tell you a little story about old Jonah. God sent him on a mission to wicked Nineveh. Didn't want to go, thought he gave God the slip. Headed out of town, book passage on a ship. Out of Joppa, he was headed for Tarshish. Well, the next thing you know, the waves begin to roll. The ship's rocking so, the sailor search your soul. Jonah, it looks like it's you or the boat. Wish you all the best and we hope you can float. The captain and the crew were all filled with fear. They said, now, Jonah, move away from here. Said Nineveh is the place you ought to be. They grabbed him by the britches and they pitched him out to sea. Swimming fool, sinking star. Well, I guess you could say that was Jonah's lucky day. If you can call it luck to be a fish on tray. Three days later had a change of attitude. Nothing changed your mind like being fish food. Whale bait sealed his fate. Jonah and the Lord had a little heart to heart. Get out of this fish and I will do my part. God gave the fish the rumbling belly flew. He heaved and he hurled and he coughed up a Jew. Jonah, that is. <laughs> the moral of the story is simple, but it's true. If you hadn't got it yet, let me spell it out for you. God's love's as big as the world is wide. You can run from him, but you cannot hide. Jonah tried and he almost died. Jonah, you come back now, you hear? So here's my miracle story. Tell you one, uh, one, I've seen many miracles in my life, but here's one. There was a man in my first church by the name of Georgie Sparks. He got sick. He had a stroke. And just before he had had a stroke, uh, in his 80s, he'd come to me and he said, I want to stand before my church and give my testimony. And it was right after that that he had that stroke. And he was a shy man. He'd never said anything like that. His family was so surprised that he just, he just wanted to tell people, that he loved the Lord. And so we were all heartbreaking, heartbroken that he didn't get to. So uh, he lived about a mile from the church. His Sunday school class said, let's go, let's go gather around his bed and, and just worship and, and serve him communion. So we did, and, and, we, and we began to sing Amazing Grace. And now, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. Mr. Sparks had not spoken one word, not one word, since his stroke. We started singing Amazing Grace. He sat up and sang it with us, laid back down and died. He got to share with the church that he loved Jesus and that he was a wretched sinner and he was saved by grace. And so that's my miracle. Sweet Lord Jesus, we feel your Holy Spirit moving in this place. And Father, there's some here tonight that need a miracle in their life or in their family's life. We thank you, Lord, you're still in the miracle business. So open our hearts in your, through your word. Speak to us and we'll walk in obedience. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 
got your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to begin reading in the 10th chapter of that Gospel at the 35th verse. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. May the Holy Spirit add a blessing and an anointing that the living Word of God might tonight live in our hearts. Would somebody say amen? So i got to get my props here. Look at there. My dear saints already brought one of the props there to me. i got to get my other prop right here that I brought with me. And that is uh, this right here. Now, I want to tell you a story tonight, and it is my version of the prince and the pauper. Do you remember that story? The pauper who looked like the king and took the king's place. Well, the title of my story is The Real Story of the Prince and the Pauper. Hello there. This is the real story of the prince and the pauper. And I should know I'm the pauper. You see, uh, we was poor folks. We... We, uh, we lived so far out in the country, you had to ride a pregnant horse into town so you'd have a fresh one to ride back on. <laughs> so anyway, I got me a job sweeping up in a castle. And one day I was in the throne room. You know, that's where to keep the throne. I was in the throne room and I was just sweeping up and I was looking around and I didn't see anyone there. All by myself in the throne room. Now can I ask you a question? If you was all by yourself in the throne room, what would you do? Sit on a throne, that's right. So I saw the throne there, and I was thinking to myself, sure would be nice to be the king. I bet the king gets anything he wants to eat. Wouldn't it be nice? I bet you wear fine clothes. People look up to you. I'd love to be the king. And it was about that time when folks burst in the door, looked straight at me, and said, Your Majesty, the king has died. You are now the king. Turns out I look just like the prince. Like we was twins or something. And they thought I was the, the, the prince. And so anyway, faster than you can say Bob's your uncle, they whisked me out of there, put fancy duds on me, took me outside to the royal coronation. It was about to place the, the crown upon me head when I looked out there and I saw the real prince. He was just staring right at me. He didn't say a word. But I panicked. I thought, I'm going to get caught impersonating the prince, and this is it for me. And I did a terrible thing. A terrible thing. I looked at that prince, I pointed at him, and I said, arrest that man. He's an imposter. And they carted him off to the dungeon. He never said a word. So they put the crown upon my head, and I became the king. I was a terrible king. I started three wars in the first week. People were going hungry. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never been to King before. And I realized I'd made a terrible mistake. Real people were going to suffer because I was pretending to be the king. So I dismissed all the gods. I went down to the dungeon. I looked at the real king through the bars and I said, I'm sorry. And I'm going to trade places with you. And I pray that you'll just spare me life. So I opened the door and I let the king out. He walked straight out and he said, I've got a job for you. And I said, Your Majesty, what job? He said, How'd you like to sweep up in the castle? I said, I'd love to. That's my old job. I was good at it. And so he closed the door, took the, took the crown off my head, and he became a king. He was the greatest king that has ever lived. And I got to sweep up in his castle. But it was many years after that, I was still working there. I found myself alone in the throne room. You know where to keep the throne. That's what they call it, the throne room. I was there alone in the throne room, nobody there, and I was remembering when I was king, what it was like, you know, to have those clothes, eat that food. So I stared at it for a moment, and I thought, you know, just for fun, I might just have a little seat. I was about to sit in on it, and all of a sudden the king come walking in, he looked straight at me, and he said, I thought we settled this a long time ago. Now, before you judge me too harshly, can I ask you this question? Who's on the throne of your heart? Have you let Christ be on the throne of your heart? That's not, not terribly difficult to do. Do you know what the hard part is? Not to try to take that throne back. A lot of people applaud at this time just so I'll move on. If the most important thing that you'll ever do is make a decision about what you believe about Jesus, and I do think that is the most important question you'll ever answer in your life, what am I going to do with this Jesus? Did He really die for me? Did He rise from the grave? And if He did, should I invite Him into my heart? If that's the most important question, then the next most important is, how am I going to live out that gospel? If you have asked Him to be your Savior, a good question is, how in the Lord can I, how in the world can I continue to make Him my Lord? And so there, there, there are lots of ways you could go with that. And when those two disciples asked Jesus if they could sit on the left and the right, and Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. They didn't know what they were in for. Because living for Him is an adventure, and sometimes it is terrifying. Because God asks, continues to ask us to step in faith. So, how do, we, how do we make Christ our Lord every day? How do we keep from taking back that throne every day? Well, to tell you that story, I'm going to tell you about uh, my first guitar. Uh, you know, I, I, I do some goofy songs. You heard my Jonah song. I do some goofy songs. I always have. I was at a church, and I did one of my goofy songs, and uh, it was the last night of revival. And the next night, I'm not making this up, uh, next afternoon, I get a knock on the door. It was a local church where I was when we lived in Boonville. Knock on the door, open the door, there's a fellow standing there, he's got a guitar case in his hand. Inside that guitar case is a guitar. He said, you sing all those funny songs, you should learn to play the guitar. And he said, this is my gift to you. Free of charge. Handed me a guitar. Ask me if I can play the guitar. Go ahead, ask me. I can't play the guitar. 
That's work. You have to practice that every day. I have a guitar. It's in the attic. It is in pristine condition. See, I think salvation is that. It is the free gift that God's given us. He has given you new life. He has given you a second chance. He has given you a, a chance to really live life what it's meant to be. But it's like a guitar. What are you going to do with it? E. Stanley Jones said, Salvation is the decision of a moment and the work of a lifetime. You see, God gives us a new life. But it, uh, discipleship means that we work on it. And, it, and, it's, and it's unsexy. Discipleship is unsexy. You know what it is? It's getting together in a Sunday school class and, and, and digging in the Bible with other people you love. You know what it is? It's, it's going to the soup kitchen and putting cans up on a shelf so that when the families come, they'll have something. It's putting food in a backpack so uh, kids will have a meal for the weekend. And, and, and it's cutting out stuff for a Sunday school class. And it is just daily living for Him. But in that daily living for Him... God does some pretty incredible things. We get to, to grow up in Christ. You, you know, another, another way to, to keep Christ on the throne? Be around believers that challenge you. Do you know any Christians that get on your nerves a little bit? You know, you'd never say that. you never say it out loud. But there's something about them that just irritates you just a little bit, you know? When I started out in ministry, I was in... Um, in, in Reedsville, in a little town near, near Ruffin. And there was a Presbyterian minister there. And we began to have Bible studies together and work together and do some things together. And that man got on my last nerve. Because theologically, we were at opposite ends. I mean, I, I really thought this about the, the miracles, and he really thought this about the miracles. And he thought it with such great passion. You know, he loved to get in discussions, and, and he loved to get in some arguments even. And I want to tell you, he never changed my mind. He never changed my mind. But he sure did change my view of poor people and our call to care for them. When I was at Duke Cemetery, I worked with a, uh, a pastor, and he also was my theological opposite. And he, we were so opposite because he, he was bald and, and about to retire, and I needed a haircut and was just starting out in ministry. And, uh, and he, was, he, was, he was a wild man. He was just, he, we would sit and, and, and when we talk about the worship service, he'd say, do you want, should we do this hymn? You know? And I'd say, well, it looks like pretty good. He said, well, let's try it out. Just being him in, in his office, he would make me sit and sing the whole hymn, all five verses, just me and him. It was as awkward as it sounds. We'd be sitting up in the, in, in the uh, uh, pulpit area on a Sunday morning and, 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 and service would be about halfway through. He would look over at me and he'd go, do you want to preach? Because I will absolutely let you preach. Why don't you preach? It would be a good example for you to just really trust in God. <laughs> and I look at him like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> we just, you know, we were just opposite. We were just opposites. But this church was in, down, in inner city Durham. And uh, every, every day somebody come by who needed help, who needed food, who needed gas money. And that church had set aside a fund that ran out in February. And I'd see people come, and every day I'd see him reach in his own wallet 
and help somebody in need. Nobody knew that. Nobody in his church knew that he was doing that. But I got to see that. He never changed my mind. He really didn't. I still believe differently about the scriptures than he does. But he did change my heart. If you want to make Christ on your throne, uh, get around some believers that challenge you. That really make you wonder, am I, am I being faithful? Is God bigger than I've allowed Him to be? You want to keep Christ on the throne? Get the gospel under your fingernails. Get involved in a ministry that, that will transform who you are. At my, at my church, we, we've got some people who, whose testimony is that they were marginally involved in the church. You know what I'm talking about? Show up on a Sunday morning. You know, some of the big ones, Mother's Day, Easter, that kind of thing. Maybe a few more in there. Just show up. Just show up. And somebody said, we want to start feeding children who go hungry over the weekend. We live in an affluent community. Our community does. But there are children in our area and outside of our area who, when they have that meal at school on Friday, don't eat until Monday. We don't believe it. We don't think it can happen. But I promise you, it is happening. Children are going hungry within miles of where you live. Now, there are horrible reasons for that, and there are all kinds of things about that, but there are a couple ladies in my church who said, I want to do something about that. And they began to just put food in, in backpacks and, and, and began to take them, those children, and, and they got other people involved in that. And right now, 170 children get food because Christ got a hold of a couple ladies. And, it did, and, and, you know, they, did, they weren't expecting this. They just wanted to feed hungry kids. But God began to speak to their heart. Those kids needed Christ. Just as, as they needed food for their body, they needed somebody to fill the void of their soul. And so God pulled them into the, to the life of the church. You want to keep Christ on the throne? You want to, you want to put Christ on the throne of your heart? The only heart that he can enter is a broken heart. And so we got to open our eyes to the hurt of this world. And as we open our eyes to the hurt of this world, then we realize that we cannot fix what is broken in this world. We cannot help what needs to be helped. And if it's going to happen, we're going to have to turn to Christ. He's going to have to be on the throne because the problems we face are bigger than us, but they're not bigger than Him. He defeated sin and death. He rolled the stone away. He can handle what this world throws at Him. You know, you ever, you ever just want to you ever just want to close your eyes? Watch, you watch the news, you, you, you hear what's going on in the world. You ever just want to go, la, 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 I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, I don't want to know. But Christ calls us just to open our eyes and, and to see. We went, I was invited to go on a mission trip in Kenya. Uh, and we went to a place called the Deep Blue. It's one of the largest slums in the world. It is a, a landfield. That's all it is, a landfield. Nobody wanted the landfield, and so people moved on top, live on the landfield. Thousands of people live on the landfield because nobody's going to kick them off of the landfield. So we went there, and, 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 and we were providing just a scoop of, of, of beans and rice to children. And um, I'm there, and, 
And uh, we're just, you know, they're in a long line. We're just a spoon and putting it on the plate. Spoon and putting it on the plate. And I look away. I look away for a second at some other kid. And I see this kid reach his hand in there, scoop up a bunch and put it in his shirt. And I think he's so hungry. He's so hungry that he's just stealing food any he can get. And it was my turn to, to go outside and to be goofy with the kid. So I followed him out. I followed him out. And I watched him take that food that he put in his shirt. Just put it in the top of his shirt. I watched him scoop it out and give it to his baby sister. And it just broke my heart that this world is, is, is broken and there's so many people in need. And right there on a landfill in Kenya, I just began to weep and I said, Lord, we can't fix this. We cannot fix this. There's too many people. There's too much suffering. Uh, this, this is the only meal that kid's going to get this day. It might be the only meal he gets this week. Lord, my heart is broken. I just began to weep at, at the misery that was around me. And at the end of the day, we were making our way, walking across a, a, a horrible smelling landfill, Back to where we parked our cars. And I saw another church group pull in. And I knew that God had sent somebody else. And so, uh, uh, we can't, we can't, you can't fix the brokenness in this community. Uh, but you are not alone. Because Christ is calling others. And together the body of Christ can do what we cannot do individually. And God is doing what we do not yet see. Have you ever been discouraged about this world? Have you ever been discouraged about the church? Have you ever wondered, you know, what is happening in this world? I want, I want to remind you again, He is still Lord. He is still King. He is still on the throne. We may not know His plan, but we can trust His hand. God has not given up. He is not giving up. He is still reaching out. Lives are still being changed. Children are still being fed. Broken and is still being mended. The only question is, are you going to be a part of it? God is working to transform this world. One life at a time, one family at a time. He is at work. He did not quit. The only question is, are we going to be a part of it? So two disciples said, we want you to do something for us. Whatever we ask you, we want us to give it. Can we sit on right or left? Now, you know by that question, when they said, listen, Lord, do what we ask. They weren't asking right or left. They were saying, hey, can we sit on the throne? Can we tell you what to do, Lord? He said, you know, if you're going to follow me, you don't know what you're getting into. But they began to find out. If, if you follow Christ... Life will not get easier. Because He's going to open your heart to pain. The pain of others. But you're going to get to find out what life is really about. To, to get up in the morning and know that you have a purpose. To get up in the morning and know tomorrow God's going to use you. God has a plan for you. If we could open the windows of heaven for just a moment, if we could catch a glimpse of all that God wants to do in and through us, if you could just see for an instant the lives He wants to change through you, just a small act of kindness, just a walk in obedience, if you could see that, Methodists would become Pentecostal. We would start singing hallelujah, Oh, 
the life that God wants for you, oh, the joy of getting a front row seat to watch Him redeem life after life. So church, the pastor and I talked about how we might end tonight and and uh, I want to I want to invite us to pray boldly tonight. Uh, that, that that there's a mission and ministry this church isn't doing yet. That you don't have the time, the talent, the people to do, but God's calling you to do. So I'm praying for a clarity. There's missions you're already doing that God wants you to take up to the next level. There's people that God wants you to reach. You haven't done so. I want you to pray, Lord, show show us what it is you want our church to do. And then be careful because I want you to say, Lord, show it is what you want me to do. And then I, I want to pray tonight for restored marriages. I want, I want to pray for, 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 uh, for God to mend depression, for God to heal addiction, for God to do medical miracles tonight. And so, listen, don't panic over that. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not going to slap you on the head and, 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 uh, and, and we're not going to bring out the snakes till tomorrow night. I just want to, uh, do you think God still does healing that we can't explain, that is beyond? Now, I still think God does, uses doctors and nurses, and I thank the Lord for them, that people have been called into that, and, and He does miracles through them, but He also does miracles beyond them. So that's what I want to pray. And uh, are, are you sick tonight? Would you be bold enough to say, Lord, will you ask somebody to pray for you? Is there somebody you love who's really facing something? Would you come on their behalf? And, and, and we're going to pray together. And, and, and what I, I didn't ask this before, but what I'm going to need is, is some of your prayer warriors. Some of the people, if, could, could you pray over somebody? And, and, and um, now it has to be a perfect prayer. I don't want any, you know, it has to be very, very eloquent and deeply theological or God won't hear it. I just want you to know it needs to be perfect. Tonight might be the, the, somebody for the first night to pray for somebody. They've never done that. Never done that out loud. To lay a hand on the shoulder and say, Lord, help this person. Well, if that's not miracle, it is miracle. I was being rhetorical right there. So, Pastor, come forward, and, and we're going to invite uh, people to come and pray. Just come and pray. Maybe you want to pray by yourself. That's absolutely all right. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. You just, you just tap us on the shoulder, and, and we'll spend some time in prayer. Amen. Let's stand and worship. And as we're worshiping, um, just come forward. Come forward on behalf of somebody else. Come forward on behalf of yourself. Come forward to pray for your church, for God to give it a real clarity of what's the next thing that God wants this church to do in obedience to Him. Whatever God's laid upon your heart, this is a great night to just spend some time in prayer.